This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Red Sign Podcast, everybody. I have a room full of amazing people. I'm Clay Winder. Let's introduce ourselves real quickly. Go ahead. I'm Cody Thorpe. Um, I'm Muhammad Khaliki. I'm Ghazan Ali. I'm Abdul Wahab. Listeners, did you get all those names? <clears throat> we have a special opportunity here to meet with our Afghan friends. Uh, these guys are with the Utah Hazara Association and are refugees that came here to Utah over the last few years after serving uh, with American soldiers and American uh, and uh, UN uh, forces in Afghanistan and have relocated to Utah. And it's a story that I think many people have heard on the news and have been watching, but have not had the opportunity to really get to know you. So it's been an honor for me to get to know you guys. And I'm excited to continue to uh, meet more of your friends, more of your family, and, uh, and to see how uh, you guys settle here in Utah. So I invited you, Cody, here as well. You've gotten to know uh, everybody here. And I thought we'd just start. I think our listeners are probably most interested in, uh, like I said, just kind of getting to know you. Uh, if we can, do you, maybe, Ollie, if you'll begin, just uh, uh, maybe just share with everybody kind of your own story and how you got here and then the beginning of the association. Sure. Um, well, firstly, it's been great knowing you, Clay, and the Red, uh, Red Sign team, Cody. Um, Thank you for having us today. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm from Pakistan. My parents are from Afghanistan. They migrated to Pakistan when they were kids. Uh, and the reason for that is because they had the, they were facing a genocide in Afghanistan and there was no way for them to live there. So they had to migrate to Pakistan. Um, I was brought up in Pakistan. I got my education in a small town. I was um, not allowed to get out of my town because of security reasons. Uh, I only knew Hazaras when I grew up. I did not know any other nationality, any other net ethnicity. I did not know any other language. I did not know English. Um, when I graduated high school, that's when I moved out of the city because I thought I should get out of the city, know more people, because I was always into learning new cultures, learning new language, meeting new people. So I went to in, uh, in another city to do my undergrad. Uh, and from there on, I just applied for graduate program i was always interested in getting more and more education so i applied for a phd and then i got into phd program of university of utah i came here to do my uh, phd in chemistry um, i graduated a couple months ago um, um, i have been here with my community members since the last five years um, since we are the first generation in my community who are um, getting educated and so i felt it was my responsibility to get my community together uh, to work for a better future, uh, but most importantly, to work on our existence, because right now, as we speak, we're being wiped out of Afghanistan, my T culture, my language, my ethnicity. And so there was a need for the association to build. And that's why we built the association. And since then, sky's the limit. We have been going mm -hmm. higher and higher. And that's why we're meeting here today. Awesome. And the Hazara people, what is the difference between the Hazaras and other Afghan ethnic groups, even such as the Taliban? I am glad you asked that question because uh, whenever uh, the term Afghan is brought up in America, people usually think one big ethnicity. Right. Whenever you talk about America, you always talk Americans. You don't say 
this American or that American. But whenever you talk about Afghans, there are so many ethnicities. Um, people have different cultures. People have different history. People have different language. People have different religion. Um, so there are uh, a lot of ethnicities in Afghanistan, but basically there are three big ethnicity in Afghanistan. Um, foremost, there is the Pashtun community, which is um, quote unquote, the majority in Afghanistan. The reason I say that is because uh, in a country that has been facing war, there's no census and we don't know who's majority, who's minority. But based on the number of people I see in town, that's how I know they are majority. Hmm. So Pashtun is majority. And then there is Tajik and there's Hazaras. So Pashtuns um, are basically um, Arab descendant. Their ethnicity is from Arabs. They look Arabic. Um, Hazaras are Turkic Mongol. So um, people there take us um, as the descendants of Genghis Khan. Mm. Um, and so our language is pretty similar to Turkish language. So uh, we're an amalgamation of the uh, Turkish and um, um, Mongolian culture. Um, Tajik, on the other hand, are Persians. They look different. Their language is different. Their history is different. So these are the three big ethnicities. As far as um, Taliban is concerned, um, Taliban is not from just one community. Taliban is also a mixture of different um, communities. But they speak Pashto, which is the language of uh, Pashtuns. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't want to assume anything here, but um, from what we have seen, more than 90% of Taliban is from the Pashtun ethnicity. I see. But that does not mean that every Pashtun is a Talib. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, Abdul, yeah. tell us about when you came to Utah. Uh, <clears throat> Introduce yourself and tell us about that experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my name is Abdul Wahab. I came in uh, Utah 2014 from Kabul, Afghanistan. Uh, I got a in 27, I got a chance to work with the U.S. government in Afghanistan. For seven years, I was working very hard and uh, uh, trying my best to bring uh, uh, good thing to the uh, where I'm working, where I used to work. So the good thing is I got opportunity uh, for SIV, which is today it's, it's a very famous thing and all around the world that uh, everybody's looking for SIV applicant. I got that opportunity. Uh, my boss helped me, and we done the application. I came from uh, Kabul straight to Utah. Why Utah? Yeah, so, why Utah? That's yeah. a that's the golden question. <laughs> yeah, you could because you had the choice, right? Anywhere in the United, you got that visa, and they said anywhere in the United States, right? Yes, on the application, uh, it, it was one of the good thing. By the time, if you're uh, SIV applicant, that's depend on you where you want to go. So there was uh, way different uh, uh, choices for me. One of these, I was thinking Alaska. And there's <laughs> another one is, which is totally opposite. I was thinking of Texas. Right. And then like two different uh, weather. Yeah, very yeah, different. Very different. So, uh, and then I was thinking some, uh, sometime to go you know, to Canada because of the job opportunity. I, we heard a lot. In the in 2013, 2014, yep. because of the oil, the oil. Uh, industry, uh, but somebody told me over there, uh, United States has a lot of good states. You have to Google it, and the U.S. embassy told me wherever you want to go, you have to 
try to find something relative. One of the things when I, I turned to the to this technology on the Facebook, I found someone and I emailed them. Okay, where you at? Yeah, yeah. Immediately I went on Google. When I Google it, I seen the first thing is the National Park of Utah, no, uh, Arches Park. Arches, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, which is, I was dreaming one day before. I never knew that that's in Utah. I was dreaming about that one day I should go over there. Okay, my dreams came true. I'm going to Utah. And then I done a lot of research about the job opportunity, about the community, about the crime rates, everything. I done a lot of that. And then the, about the weather, about the, uh, everything, which is, it was very close to where I was born, where I was being raised in Afghanistan. So, it's, and you and it's, you were born and raised in Kabul. Uh, right? No, I was born and raised at uh, Ghazni. Okay. When I was sixteen, I said to my mom and dad, "Mom, dad, bye. I'm going to Kabul. <laughs> uh, I I've been at Kabul and studied over there, and then I just chance to work with the U.S. government. So Utah." It feels so close. Sometimes when I'm uh, missing home so much and so badly, I'm driving each year at least two or three times at the East Canyon on the top of the mountain. I'm just parking the car, just looking all the way to the Salt Valley. It's giving the exact view where my village was in Ghazni. Mm. It was mm. feeling so, so close. I'm feeling that Sometimes I'm just pretending, okay, like I'm really right over there. The weather is the same as over there and the, the mountain, except here's green. We do have a lot of trees over there. There's no, no trees on the mountains. <laughs> so in terms of the opportunity, job opportunity, Utah is really great. And uh, it's uh, what I noticed in 2014 when I came here, there was not too many people right now. Uh, whenever we are driving at the I-15, here's a lot of people coming in from Utah. Uh, not from Utah, a lot of people from all other states come in Utah. So another thing is the people in Utah are really nice. I've been at Denver. I've been at Idaho. I've been Montana. I, I, I went in the other state, wherever I went, okay, what I was saying, I need to go back home. I need to go back home. When I was coming close to Solik, yes, I'm back home. That felt like home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm back home. I'm back home, yeah. And, and that would kind of lead me to to ask you, um, we'll get to that, but just as a, as a team and as a person, I think it's been really cool to be able to, to link arms with you guys in your community um, as I've gotten to know um, each of you and, and just how humble you are. Um, and to, to know that the, the opportunities in America are here uh, and to see you guys take advantage of those is, is amazing. Um, but also as part of this community, you guys are building something because there's a need for help. Um, and Abdul, I, uh, as I've got to know you and to know a little bit more about your story, I would, I would love to ask you to, to tell people just a little bit about the story with your wife um they are working to try to get her here um and so could you tell us a little bit about kind of that situation why did why did she stay back um yeah that's a good question in 2018 i went uh afghanistan i get married with my wife so i done the application i was waiting 
for approval, everything. It took me forever to get the approval for ITERI, which is that's uh, a form goes to uh, USCIS. She just got approved. I was doing the paperwork. I knew that the things are not going well at Afghanistan. I was trying to get her as soon as I can. And then by the time when her case just went to NBC, National Visa Center, the Afghanistan government collapsed. Mm-hmm. And we, I had the, everything, all the, all the paperwork. So I, uh, I sent her an email, uh, provided the document. I asked her to go at the airport, show that to someone that you have the approved case, only you, what you need, you need the interview and the visa. They should allow you to get in. By the day when there was a side attack or bomb blast, I do not know exactly that the 13, uh, 13 uh, Marine, the heroes that we lost in Afghanistan. And one Utah Marine yeah, died one, in the blast. Yeah. yeah. The, that day, she was over there, which is, it was a night time for us. All, by that time, every night I I was coming from the job and I was filling up the form the application to something should happen which is each hours each moment things were getting changed it was it was a really hard time and it was i was completely lost what to do where to go and ask her go to the airport and she with my brother which is my brother he used to work with the u.s army as well for almost 18 years he been over there stack and then when they came over there at the airport and the, there was a, a bomb blast she just texts me hey here's the bomb blast i'm like how close you are they've been pretty close i uh, i told her just go back home because she's so she saw it yeah wow. just go back home yeah yeah and then after that until now i didn't hear anything Though all I knocked a lot of doors, still I didn't see anything exactly. So we are still working to get her home. Yeah. Hmm. That's the story. That's, yeah, that's challenging for sure. Yeah. Well, we need more people to hear this story, to understand that there's families like you that are separated. And we need, we need help, right? Yeah. We need to get her here. This is, that's. This isn't okay. Um, Mohammed, tell us about you. When did you come to Utah? Utah family. Has been 17 months. Okay. And is your family here with you? His, um, his wife and children, yes. Not his Wonderful. parents or siblings. Okay. And what brought you to Utah? Why Utah? You told me about Hotteriki, Basil Dusoi, the game monkey, Mijabudan, Kabla, Mamijas in the Gimekavan, Tausifa Hobdosh, Mahotrek, Marden Hubas, Jomir Hubas. He was referred to Utah by his friends who used to live in Utah and who are still living in Utah. They gave him pretty good picture of what, the, what life is um, or how life is in Utah, um, the job, the society, the people, how nice they are. Um, the chances you get to go higher up in your life, in your career, that is what brought him to Utah. Wonderful. Well, it's very interesting. Uh, 
one of the first things I just met Mohammed a, f- a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and as we were introducing, he said, I think I'm ready to buy a house. Yeah. And I'm curious as you guys, because I know you guys are in the process right now of purchasing home, uh, a property here in Utah. I am curious, and I'm, I think a lot of our investor listeners uh, might be curious as well. Uh, how does property rights in Afghanistan compare to Utah? When you're in Afghanistan, do you own the property? Do you have a title to that property? And uh, is that similar to yeah, maybe Abdul, you can answer this, but is it similar to Utah? And is it, well, maybe just start there because I have more questions. Yeah, <laughs> so it's uh, way different. Uh, different. So one of the things is uh, more than uh, 40 years Afghanistan or more than four decades Afghanistan been in war. A countries which has been all the time in war, they do not have a, such a great system that the bank and uh, the companies and the, all this uh, agency come and help uh, the people. People who want to have a house, they have, they're just trying to build by their own. Right, they just build it. They don't get they, a mortgage and hire yeah, yeah builders. Yeah. and <laughs> They do not have like, only the thing is when they are going, there's not a lot of people, majority of the people, uh, when they, uh, they do have the house, they do not have a title which is really registered under the government mm-hmm. or the agencies, and they're just going and building. There's not a city plan. There's not the plan for the school, like what we do have here, what we are seeing for yeah. the hospital, all those kind of um, stuff. Even the house is a really important thing wherever you are. Right. And uh, you have to have a house. And... Uh, uh what I notice here, if we we cannot compare here to Afghanistan, but what I notice wherever you want to buy a house, first thing is the security. Mm-hmm. And second thing is job security, the uh, economy. You have to look for the economy, how the economy, where it goes. Mm-hmm. If you see the economy is getting better wherever you are if you invest that's the best right yeah well it's interesting because in america we have a phrase and we say it a lot and i don't know if other countries say this but we 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 call it the american dream have you heard that term before yes and the american (laughs) dream right is the concept of owning a piece of america and that piece of america is your home and so lots of times as we're growing up, you know, even our parents would say, you know, the, the future and the, a lot of the purpose of why you work hard is to own the American dream, own a piece of America. And so for most American children and American youth, we're taught to own a piece of America as we, as we grow older and to stop renting as soon as possible. Have you found any sense of, of pride or joy in the opportunity to own? A piece of America to have the American dream. Yeah, I I would like to um, delve into what uh, Abdul said and add a few more sentences to that. Um, I think buying a home is it gives you a sense of empowerment. It empowers you. It makes you feel that you can do something. Um, Here in America, how buying a home is very different to what we have in Afghanistan or for that matter in Pakistan. So the part of Pakistan that I'm from is at the border of Afghanistan and Pakistan. There, um, people, you cannot buy 
a home on mortgage. You have to have the cash to buy a home. So that's the first difference. You don't have the cash, you don't get the home. Second thing, as Abdul said, there's no plan there. Everybody, like for example, if you buy a townhouse here, you cannot do anything to the outside of the home unless you, you get an approval from the, the, the owner of the place. There, anybody can build whatever, however many stories they want, whatever the size. Um, the part that I was from, we were not allowed to buy home because we were from we were from our ethnicity. We were Hazaras. We were oh, wow. Shiites. We were not allowed to buy home in that place. My parents worked their whole life to buy a small home for us. And eventually, the, the people who did not want us to buy the home went to the Supreme Court, went to the higher court to um, fight against us owning that place because for some reason they thought we were not from Pakistan. We came from Afghanistan. Even though we paid the taxes and we, we uh, bought that home, they would not allow us to have that home because they said you came from another country even though my parents have been there their whole life. Hmm. And so that is, you know, do, do you know what I'm saying? When you are in that situation and suddenly you come to a country where you are given a human right, where you're allowed to go and buy a home wherever you want, where you have your home here and, and another person who is a millionaire has another home by you. Another person who um, makes much less than you is on your other side. That situation did not exist back home. You had to have a lot of money and influence to buy a home and to buy a home in a good place. So that's why um, owning a house is empowering. We were talking with Cody the other day about um, doing some renovation on the walls. And, and uh, because there were a lot of paintings on the walls, I was asking him if there was a way to patch them up. Mm -hmm. um, and I told him the story of me helping my mom patch up our home. And back back there, our homes are concrete. We used to work so hard because that home was our entire thing. Here, once you buy a home, in a, after another year, if you work hard, you can have another home. You can have another home. You can keep on having properties. There, you were not allowed like that. We were not allowed like that. I, I would in never, in a in hundred years, would never imagine having two houses there. Here, I can imagine having anything. So coming back to the American dream, here I can dream anything. I can go, sky's the limit. I can go as high as I want, um, as long as I do the right thing, as long as I'm on the right track. And this, pro this opportunity is provided by this, by this amazing country, which was not there back home. Yeah. And I think too, just uh, as we've gone through the buying process, um, I'm just amazed at how the excitement just obviously coming from where you guys came from and knowing that, you know, you have to work your whole entire lives to be able to purchase a home and, and knowing that they can take it away from you at any time for many different reasons. And as we've gone through this process, um, you guys are so excited. The question was, when can we buy another one? How do we get, how do we get our hands on another piece of real estate, another yeah. piece of the American dream? Yeah. Um, and it's exciting. I think it, it has, uh, it's brought excitement into, into me to know that, you know, that as an American, um, I should be grateful to live here. Uh, I think we take it back. We, we just, we take for granted the opportunities that we have here, you know, being raised here my whole life. Um, and knowing that you guys have come from where you, you've came from and the situations you've came from. You know, it's, it's, we've got to get your story out. We've got to tell it. People have got to know about who you guys are as a community and, and where you came from.
you just just the liberty of taking out your car and driving down south or up north or west or east drive as much as you can there will be gas station where you can fill up your car you can get some food and you can drive wherever you want to go that liberty is something that we appreciate so much hmm. yeah so tell us about the hazara association so before about 60 days ago people weren't thinking too much about afghanistan and the refugees uh situation now everybody is talking about it because yeah. of the collapse of the afghan government uh what is the hazara association here in utah um so as i said for us um and again people might not know a lot in um they might have to go back home and research on us but um we are a community that is on the verge of um getting wiped out from afghanistan because we have seen genocide over the last 100 years our story is pretty similar to um the story of jews and the story of mormons i think I, whenever i talk to people i think i always give them this example that our history is um a, a mixture of these two uh, amazing ethnicities and cultures um over a century we have seen genocide um and um our children are um have not been given the opportunity to go to school to get education to um just to just enjoy the diversity in our country and so when we came here we did realize that sooner or later taliban is going to take over the afghanistan and um pretty soon they are going to wipe off um our our forefathers lands our people's lands they are going to force the people out of their land as we speak um yesterday human rights commission of asia um published this report where they said that um uh, from seven different provinces in afghanistan taliban is kicking out hazaras of their homes and so um these are people whose livelihood depend on what they um what they grew on their land they are not given the opportunity to take those belongings of theirs and move to a different place they have been forced out of their homes as we speak a lot of our community members are migrating from afghanistan to other countries other neighboring countries where unfortunately they are not given the kind of um the kind of respect or the kind of human rights that they deserve um uh, i'm an example i'm from pakistan we were not given the human rights that we deserve in pakistan so um there was a need for us to tell our children what our history is there is a need for us to tell our children what our culture is there is a need for us to tell our children what we believe in there is a need for us uh, to tell our children how great were our forefathers how peaceful they were what they were trying to build every hazara and and you can ask the other friends here too every uh, hazara who who does not earn enough money to feed their children will send their children to school for us education is the most important thing in life because we see education as our only refuge and so it is very vital for us to let the other communities know who we are and that is the reason why Utah Hazara Association was born we made this association to tell other people our stories because other people don't know about our our stories we made this association to teach our kid persian i was talking to this other community member the other night and he was saying that he told his daughter to go to the kitchen and bring him a plate in our language we call a plate qab so he told his um, daughter to go to the kitchen and bring him qab 
when the daughter went to the kitchen, she was lost. She didn't know what Qab means. Hmm. She asked her, her sibling, what does dad want? Because she has completely forgotten our language. And, the, and her, um, her brother told him that dad wants a plate. So she brought a plate to, to dad. And dad was looking at them this whole time. And he went into thought. Um, and it's not that we don't value our culture. It's because we have been in a war. That's why we're losing a touch with our language and our culture. And so there is a need for us to remember who we are, remember what we wear. Um, it's very important as well to know what other people do. Diversity is the most important thing. But having said that, it is important to know who we are because right. only then we can go ahead. And so to, to preserve our language, our culture, our faith, our history, we made this association. How has the involvement been over the last couple of weeks with new members migrating to Utah? Um, the new members are facing a lot of difficulties as they are coming in because America right now is overwhelmed. This was all. This was the, the escalation that happened in Afghanistan. Yeah. This collapse that happened. Days, nobody yeah. could predict, and so everything is upside down right now. Um, we nobody imagined that the president of the country would flee the country with the dollars that they earned. Nobody imagined that. Nobody imagined that um, American troops will be out in a week or so. And thousands of people would rush to the airport to get out of the country. Nobody predicted that. And so when the refugees um, came from Afghanistan to America, um, Americans were surprised as well. They got overwhelmed. The two big agencies, refugee agencies that are in Utah, are called IRC and CCS, Catholic Community Services, and International Rescue Committee. We are in direct contact with them the last month or so, and they are overwhelmed. They don't have enough volunteers to provide food, water, clothing, shelter to these new refugees. And so our association, whenever we know somebody is coming to Utah, we, get, we go to the airport, even though if you're working, we, we take out time because we know what they're coming from, because we came from there. We, we, we know their pain. So we rush to the airport. We bring them out to our home. You are the as, welcome committee. We are. <laughs> as we speak, Muhammad here has a couple families at his home, even though he has only two-bedroom apartment. Oh, wow. So he has been housing those refugees at his home. He has been providing them food. He has been providing them clothing. Winter is coming. He has been providing them with everything that he can. And so our association... In, in, these, uh, in this time of need, our association has stepped up to help the new refugees. And I must say here that a lot of our friends, American friends, have reached out to our association to help. They have provided us with whatever we have asked so far. The last fundraiser that we had, we knew so many people. So many people have reached out to us since then, and they have been extending help. This, uh, our, our, our gathering right now is a help. You, you two know us, you two know, have been knowing us, you have been helping us. This is, this is what, um, I think this is the power of communication. This is the power of, um, of, of new refugees coming in, of um, our human touch, our human feeling. I think this is the power of that. Wonderful. And we have, we, we have momentum, but it seems to me we need more momentum because you are, this is not slowing down. Every day on the news, Utah is the government is saying more people are coming, and we Utah wants to be the place of refuge. I think most people I speak for them that we want to help. I think community members here in Utah want to help. I think government officials. I think church leaders. I I, I have 
I have talked to very, I haven't talked to anybody that doesn't want to help. And this is why I'm passionate about letting more people get to know you and hear from you. So how can our listeners listening to this podcast help? What are, what are some of the ways we can help? Um, there are short-term and long-term helps. Um, the first thing that needs to happen is to um, help the new refugees as they are coming in. So the people that are coming in these days, um, um, they don't have, because the agencies are overwhelmed, uh, most of them don't have housing. I mean, uh, Muhammad can only have two family at his place. He cannot have more than that. Me and Abdul, we can only have one family. We cannot have more than that. Every member of our community is housing some people right now. We cannot have more than that. And so we need more people to come in and, and get these people into their homes. Um, and, and not only getting into their homes, provide them with food, provide them with, but I'm sure we have extra socks at home. I'm sure we have extra jacket and shirts at home. We can give it to them because they need it right now. Um, I have even heard that some refugees are getting homeless as we speak because because the situation has, is getting out of hand. There are not enough people to just be able to help them. So that is the first need. The second need is to help people like Abdul get their family members out of Afghanistan. There is a program called humanitarian payroll where a person sponsors someone from Afghanistan to just come here in the, in the States. Once they are in the United States, then the government takes care of them. So all you need to do is get in touch with your Afghan neighbors, with your Hazara neighbors, know them, ask them what they need. Um, and if you can apply for humanitarian payroll, please go ahead and do that. You just need your, inf you, they just need your information, your, your, um, your address, your name and things like that and, and get your signature. If you can do that, that can go a long way. And I will come back to why that can go a long way. Um, the third thing is mentally, we are so tired right now. I was going to ask about that. <laughs> mental health. We, we speak a lot about mental health in, in, in the United States and, and so should we. Uh, mentally, our community is so exhausted. We 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 haven't seen we ha we don't have counselors. We haven't seen people to interact with them. Um, so mentally, our community needs a lot of help. And the way you can help is just ask your neighbors. Go reach out to them. Reach out to our organization. If you even if you can talk to one family, that can go a long way. Even if you ask them how they're doing, how their family is doing. If you can do any kind of help. Don't go out of your way, but to, to whatever extent you can help them, that can, that can mentally give them a lot of comfort, that can calm them down. So this is the time that mental health is very vital for us. So if you could help us uh, with that. The fourth thing is, since the escalation in Afghanistan uh, on August 15, we haven't seen our community members in one place together. You guys see each other every Sunday in church. We don't have a church. We don't have a mosque. We don't have a community center. We haven't seen them for a long time. And it is very important for us to see each other because I, being an educated member of my community, can help them file the humanitarian payroll application. But if I cannot see them, how will I be able to reach out to them? So it's important for us to see each other. Also, the community center would be a place where we teach our kids Persian, that is our language, where we teach our elderly English where we have our cultural events, where we invite you guys, come have our delicious food, <laughs> uh, observe our amazing culture, know what we speak, where we come from. And um, lastly, the, the thing that I was coming at was why people need to, um, why, as you said, why do New Utah need to have more refugees? Because refugees like us will help in, um, in the business of, of this great state, will help putting money in this great state. We are working as hard as any Utah who has 
who was born here is working. We are contributing to the education of this state. We're contributing to the diversity of this state. We're contributing to the culture of this state. We're, we're contributing to buying home in this state, right. being neighbors with other Utahns in this state. So it's important for people to know that the new refugees will not be a burden on you. They all One, work harder than Cody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, I can't say that because Cody is amazing. So, so they will come and contribute to everything in this country. So please house them. If you help them today to um, help them stand on their own feet, tomorrow they can go ahead and, and can do wonders for, you, for this country. Yeah. So if somebody wants to learn more about the association or most importantly, make a donation so yep. that we can, we can afford and find and build this cultural center, how may, wh what is your website and how can they reach you? Our website is utahhazaraassociation.com. So U-T-A-H, Hazara is H A Z A R A and association dot um, org uh, not com so Utah Hazara Association dot org um, and we we'll have, put that link we'll put that link in the description yeah. of this episode uh, we have our email address there we have phone numbers there we have our social media handles there you can reach out to us ask us if you can if you want to personally help some families you can go to our website um, and you can donate. Wonderful. I think this is a great time, you know, as we as we look to how can we help? I know for me, you know, as I look to the crisis that happened and like you said, nobody could have predicted what took place in that short period of time. Nobody could have predicted the amount uh, of help that was going to be needed. And so, you know, those that are listening, um, we've got to help. You've got to you've got to you've got to put your hand out. We've got to do something to help these people. Um, because that's that's what we've got to do this time. So, if you if you can help with with clothes, then do it. You know, if it just ends up being a monetary donation, um, let's open our wallets and and let's see what we can do to help people like Abdul get their wives, their families back together, and and to help uh, help those families that need it. One special thing about your association is that it's direct, meaning we're there's no government, there's no, you know, every donation, everything goes directly to those in need. And so that's, uh, I think that's important to some people. Um, thank you guys. Thank you. Anything else that we should cover before we sign off? Is there anything burning in your heart that you want to share before we finish up? <laughs> I don't think we have left anything to say, but my last message for people would be to just, um, to just get out and, you know, get more educated about other people just diversity. It doesn't cost you anything. You have internet at your home. You have a phone. Um, you have a, a laptop. Take out your laptop. Google H-A-Z-A-R-A, -A, which is my community. Know more about my community. Once you know us, you will know other communities in Afghanistan. Once you know other communities in Afghanistan, you will know about other communities that come here as refugee. Once you know them, you know your whole country. Once you know your whole country, you're better equipped to go further in your life. So just get out and know more people. There's no harm in that. Absolutely. Yeah. Abdul, Ali, Muhammad, thank you all for being here. This is so much for having us. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>